Welcome into episode 46 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR podcast network. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined once again by Travis Graff and David Sisk of Cats Illustrated. Travis, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. It was finally, it was good to finally get all of the Sources Say crew together in one spot for the first time this past weekend. Heck yeah, yeah. But that's gonna be the bulk of bulk of our conversation today. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a minute. But first, David, how are you doing? Doing good, guys. Doing good. Good to see your uh, faces live here. <laughs> so this we we have a ton to talk about. A bunch going on regarding uh, the upcoming 2021 roster. How UK might close that out. Um, but more importantly the 2022 recruiting restrictions were lifted on Monday. So before that started, we went down to Brentwood uh, to go see Sky Clark play in in an open run against college and pro talent. It was a a great time. So let's jump right into that to go talk about, and we'll talk about our trip to see Sky Clark. So on Saturday, we drove down, Travis and I got in the car. We drive down to Brentwood, Tennessee, and uh, we get to go see none other than 2022 five-star point guard Sky Clark, who is arguably Kentucky's top recruiting target in the class of 2022 uh, we get to go see him play against the likes of Robert Covington of the Houston Rockets Darius Garland of the Cleveland Cavaliers Ian Clark who was Steph Curry's former backup in Golden State when they were you know winning all their titles and and the dynasty was was going on uh, former Kentucky forward Alex Poitras I mean just the event was absolutely loaded with talent so uh, you know right off the bat you know this was our first time kind of scouting and seeing these guys together for the first time David, we'll start with you. With you, what were your initial thoughts on Sky Clark as a uh, as a future talent and, and potential Kentucky Wildcat? Uh, bigger and thicker than than I had thought. Uh, did not look the part of a rising high school junior. More like a rising maybe college junior. Uh, really thick in the trunk, uh, legs, uh, traps, upper shoulders. Look like a man, facial hair, uh, 6'1", I'd say, every bit of 185, 190 pounds. Uh, playing, like you said, not only against pros, but guys like Jalen Barford, uh, Maurice Fitzgerald, some other guards out of there who have either graduated college and gone on to, uh, um, to play overseas or G League or some that are in college now. And you, if you said there's there's a kid out here that's a high schooler, who is it? You would have never picked him. So uh, he's one of those kids right now who is just, just really been blessed genetically uh, to have just the frame that he has. He may be one of those kids you worry about. Has that maxed out? His dad said it hasn't, according to you guys. Uh, but, you know, he's he's big for his size here early as, as a guard. So when you look at I'm not talking about a kid that's clipped seven feet. I just mean a big, strong physical guard. It's got uh, just, just a, a max load of uh, uh, power, uh, can uh, has the ball handling ability, uh, has it on a string, can pull you out and get by you. But like I said, strong enough that he can really run you into a ball screen. Was really impressed defensively how he's so strong, uh, how he can just get down in a stance and go heel to toe and in a crouch and just, just move fluidly and, and he never has to raise up. He's, he's so strong. Not sure yet how well he shoots the ball, but he didn't have to. And trust me, that's a mouthful – when you're looking at the guys he's playing against and he never had to, uh, he never had to to shoot the outside shot. He could get to the rim on them. So uh, as a guy told me, Tony Parker didn't have to (laughs) to rely on the outside shot. And another guy told me if he played EYBL this year, he'd average 35 a game. So different than I look and actually better than, than what I anticipated. 
Now, Travis, you went down the week before and you were kind of given, you, you gave us kind of a, a preview last week on this show of what you saw, you know, same talent, identical talent, you know, really Alex Poythers was there, Darius Garland was there, Ian Clark, all of, all of the above, they were all there. Um, now, Travis, what would you say the difference was between week one and week two that you saw and, and what were, you know, what are your general thoughts on, you know, after seeing him in person, I guess, for the first time? <clears throat> well, I'll say this: the in week two, he did a um, he he had a much better all around performance than he did in week one. And I think that the the people down there that were running the show were trying to help get him because the first week that I was down there, he wasn't able to get into a rhythm because Darius Garland and Robert Covington were running the show, and he was on the same team as those guys. And this this week they had uh, they had split up all the teams, and he got he got to run more the show and like. David said he excelled in the in the pick and roll. He was able he was able to orchestrate really well out of there, uh, going left or right. A couple weeks ago, he's focused on just going left, but he he showed that he has elite finishing packages in the paint with either hand. Uh, There's one sequence where he took over this week for about five minutes straight. It was just highlights of his. Uh, stripped in Clark had a breakaway dunk, uh, had a sick like spin move reverse layup left hand, uh, just. He does, he does a good job of uh, splitting the double team off of the pick and roll. Does a good job of, like David said, he's strong, got strong butt, strong legs, strong everything. And he's good at stacking his defender or and getting them on his hip. And he doesn't have to be flashy and get a lot of dribble separation with the ball because he's so strong that he can pull his way through. But he, but he does have the ball on the string, like David said. And he, the only thing that I saw was his shot wasn't falling. It, yeah. The shot – his open set shot was falling a couple weekends ago, but it wasn't this weekend. But uh, neither week I saw him really shoot well off pick and roll, but that's something that his trainer said that they're working on is his shot. But he, he has no problem with his mechanics. It's all fluid motion. He, uh, like, good footwork, good uh, good smooth release all the way through. And like David said, he, he is strong. He uh, He's probably the strongest guard if he goes to Kentucky. That uh, I think that Kentucky's had since probably Isaiah Briscoe. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Specifically, you know that that balance of strength and you know that you know twitch quickness, along with you know his flat out ability to just dribble the ball. I mean, he literally has some of the best ball handling skills I've seen. And I mean. And I mean, since it might be Isaiah Briscoe, I think those two are go hand in hand in terms of just having that ball in a string, being able to get where they want, finding those open, you know, open spots, getting wherever they want on the floor. That is who Sky Clark is um, to a team. I think we saw that more, not necessarily against the pro talent, because I mean, again, these are guys that are, you know, 90% of the players on the floor were making money playing basketball, and he was the youngest youngest player on the on the floor. So the fact that he was able to do what we saw him do made so much more sense on, on his performance on Sunday when he went up against the the high school and college age talent. So the Saturday was, you know, late college and professional talent, mostly mostly pro talent. Sunday was 100% dedicated to uh, to high school and college. And if you saw the highlight tape on on Sunday, oh my goodness! I mean, he just flat out. Oh, I mean, literally, I mean, he was literally toying with him. I, I texted Kenny after uh, Sky's dad afterward. I was like, dude, it, it, he literally just toyed with him from start to finish. Just, it, it's not even fair what he's able to do against people his own age. And that really got me thinking, like, man, he's right now he's right at that, like, 16, 17, 18 rank, you know, range in, in his recruiting rankings. I'm just sitting here thinking – if there are 16, 17 players better in the country than Sky Clark, you got you to gotta show me who they are. Because right now, I am, I'm just I, – I genuinely think he's a top 10 talent, maybe even potentially top five when, when that day comes. I think he will end up being a top five recruit. His dad said that his growth plates haven't closed yet, and he's told me that the doctor said that he's supposed to get up to at least a 6'4". Everybody's question is, hi, I'm 6'1". And like David said it perfectly, I think people question his height because he's so thick. If he was scrawny, he would look much taller. Yeah. But like I, I'm six one, and he, I was looking up at him just a little bit. He's probably six two, probably closer to six three than he is six one. Yeah. And 
I think if he gets up to six three, six four, you're talking about a top ten player in one he, of the most loaded classes ever. He, I mean, the, and you think of guys that Calipari goes after, you know, as the, as a Calipari prototypical point guard. That you know that if he ends up being what six four, six five, you know, I bet he could push two hundred. You know, six six four, six five, two hundred, two ten, maybe by the time he you know puts on some muscle. Uh, when he gets to Kentucky or wherever he does decide to go to college, we'll talk about here, that here in a minute. But that is a Calipari point guard to the T. I mean, that's that's exactly who he's who he's recruiting, and and that's why I wouldn't be shocked at all if we hear of of a Kentucky offer at some point here in, in the near future. I don't know when that's going to be, but uh, I think I think the general consensus right now is that that he is he is well on his way of earning a. a Kentucky offer before we move on from that event itself there's another guy in attendance that uh, is of of substance to Kentucky fans Brandon Miller um, another top 15 guy in the class of 2022 Um, David we saw you know we kind of talked about him before we got down there and kind of what we thought of his game beforehand Um, after seeing him in person have you, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on his game? And do you think he's a, you know, as a top 15 player in the country, do you think, do you think he fits what Kentucky would be looking for, uh, you know, in the class of 2022? It was just hard for me to get a read because in fairness to him, he was matched up against Robert Covington a lot. So <laughs> you've got a guy who uh, uh, 16 years old, well, I'm not sure about the age, but a rising junior as well, 2022, going against a guy. And I, I didn't realize Covington's had as good an NBA career as what he's had. I mean, this oh, yeah. is, he's had seven years in a row averaging double figures. Yeah, he's he's one of the top three and D talents in in the NBA. That's I mean, for for Brandon Miller to go heads up with him is 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 no joke. But continue. And, on. and he's got he's got about a fifty million dollar contract to prove it. Yeah. So uh, you you could just tell. You know, playing against a guy like that, it was just overwhelming. But I don't want that to be unfair, you know, to Brandon because that would be to a lot of guys his age. And I just think he was the one that really uh, uh, was in a sink or swim situation. Um, I, I talked to the trainer who puts this on, Jamal Richardson, talked to him Monday, I guess it was, and asked him about, you know, just what about Brandon right now? And he says, look, he's going to be special. You know, he thinks he could play on the, out on the perimeter and end up being 6'9 or 6'10. But, you know, he, he said he, he agreed that it was just a tough situation. But he's not – he wasn't down on his game at all. He, he, I mean, he gets to see him a lot. and He thinks he's going to be really good. Travis, we on our drive back from from Brentwood, um, we were talking about 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 Brandon's game in particular, and you reached out to somebody uh, who who I thought put you know hit the nail on the head with with their description of him. What what was that? Um, and, and you know, what are your general thoughts on Brandon's game? I think the everybody that I talked to said that he is a guy that he would he. He's kind of a tweener. Like, he's not a three and he's not a four. He's probably – looking at him the other day, he's listed as 6'6", six, six, but he looks closer to 6'8". It's all motor with him. Um, if if he can figure out the motor, he'll fix a lot of his problems. Um, but, like David said, uh, he's not – well, he's not as strong as Sky is, so he struggles more against the defense of the NBA guys. And he was limited to spot-up shooting, maybe a one-dribble pull-up, he, the two weeks I watched him, he probably had four or five highlight plays. But the way he's built and the way his game is right now, he's not going to flourish in that setting. And I think that he's a guy that on down the line could be a fantastic stretch four if you can get him to buy into the four role instead of the three because I know everybody wants to play a position down. But I think that um, well, he got a Wake Forest offer today. He's got a couple offers past couple of days, uh, Florida offered and uh, a couple other schools. But I mean, he's got a long list of suitors. Yeah, he's he, the only my my only concern about his game was that there was there was so much just trotting up and down the floor. It didn't feel like. It, I mean, I know again in that setting he was playing against pros, literally 
Robert Covington, I mean, to go heads up with him would, would scare anybody that wasn't, that wasn't on that same level of, of NBA prowess. But it didn't feel like he wanted to be there. It didn't feel like he was wanting to show off his top 15 talent against the pros the way Sky was. Like, you could tell Sky – I mean, there wasn't a huge drop-off between the pro talent and, and, and Sky, but there was still an obvious – drop off um in terms of just general skill and, and turning the ball over and making simple mistakes trying to you know go behind the back between two two players little little mix-ups like that that would you know make anybody look you know less than against a, a pro talent but it didn't seem like Brandon had that same you know killer instinct that you saw from Sky that Sky was trying to prove everybody that he fit in Brandon was like well I know I'm a top 15 talent against my own guys I'm gonna stand on the perimeter and and you know knock down open jumpers whenever the ball's thrown my way it didn't feel like there there wasn't that same killer instinct that we saw from Sky and I mean that might be no fault to to Brandon because you know I haven't seen him against guys his own age I just think I like like David said originally I want to see more from him um, before I make any long-term judgments and, and, you know, decide whether I think Kentucky needs to offer him, whether he'd be a great fit at Kentucky, uh, et cetera. Um, I'm not going to get too tore up yet. You know, if he, if he didn't have a high motor and a scrimmage played in the church. Yeah. 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 I think you gotta look at the setting too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. Um, So you can learn a lot of stuff from those type of settings and everybody's itching to see some basketball, high quality, talented basketball. But at the end of the day, he wasn't going against his age group. And while like somebody like Sky excelled in that setting, it's not fair, like I've talked about, to just write him off based on a couple of uh, pro runs where yeah. he's playing against dudes much stronger and much older than him. Yep, I completely agree. Okay, um, slightly moving ahead, but not really, considering we're still talking about the same kids, just to, you know – the, the, the recruiting madness that we saw following our trip to to Brentwood um, starting on Monday at midnight. Um, so I guess Sunday midnight going into Monday, the recruiting restrictions were lifted on 2022 kids where coaches were able to contact the recruits directly as opposed to having to go through the parents or AAU coaches, high school coaches, whatever, to indirectly contact these kids. Um, Division one coaches are, were, are now allowed to reach out directly. So, you know, starting at midnight, we heard, you know, the phones were ringing off the hook. We heard of all the top level talent getting contacted by all the top level programs. And, and the three of us basically spent our entire Monday contacting these coaches, contacting the parents, talk to, contacting the players themselves about who got, you know, who got talked to, who you know when they reached out all that good stuff um so i'm just going to go through the list of guys that kentucky reached out to specifically um kind of in in order but not really just kind of the timeline in, in which i wrote them down but it, it's kind of a loose estimate of, of who got who was prioritized based on earlier in the day so Jaden bradley was the first confirmed uh guy that that got you know that kentucky reached out to 2022 five-star point guard you know top 10 consensus top 10 talent uh sky clark got contacted uh five-star four-star right on the fringe dylan hunter who david just reached out to him to, or you know somebody that was close to dylan you could talk about that if you want to enoch bokier brandon miller uh james jewel out of eastern high school in louisville kentucky Bruce Thornton, I reached out to his uh, his AAU director who said that Kentucky has scheduled a meeting with him, but they haven't officially contacted him yet. Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, who we've talked extensively about on this show, uh, widely expected to reclass to 2021. His mom said that he wasn't even expecting uh, people, you know, coaches to reach out to him because the general consensus is he's moving to 2021. But she said that Kentucky, along with Kansas, Wake Forest, Georgia, Auburn, Tennessee State, and Wake, uh, Western Kentucky, all reached out to him. Uh, Kamari Lands, who, Travis, you confirmed that. Sadrake Nganga um, did not, but UCLA, Kansas, Maryland, St. Mary's, he's going to have a whole bunch of, you know, upper tier high major schools reach out to him. So, again, 10, 12 players that were confirmed and a lot of players that, that were probably reached out that we haven't even heard of yet just because, 
you know, Calipari likes to work in silence. Yeah, let me um, ask you this. Can, can we confirm that Bokeh got contacted? I know when I talked yesterday, he hadn't. Um, no. So, yeah, I, I scrolled through that too quickly. No. He said – when I talked to him, he said that Kentucky – scheduled a meeting reached out to schedule a meeting but didn't officially reach out to him about like you know actually talk to him about his recruitment or anything like that it, it, it was a uh they, i mean i guess they technically reached out to say hey we're going to be talking to you but they had they have not uh one-on-one talked to him about his recruitment or anything like that yet so um i, I guess they reached out to uh i don't know if it's Derek or Derek whitehead uh number 12 player on rivals a uh, couple guys that I that I expect UK to reach out to that they haven't yet is uh, Bruce Thornton, uh, Sadrock, uh, and Ganga, like Jack said, and uh, Scoot Henderson. Those are a couple guys that could see uh, UK interest here in the next few days. Now, David, is are there any players on that list that kind of surprised you that UK did reach out to, or are there are there also any other names that um, that UK has not yet reached out to that you figured would be on the top of their priority list? No, there's no surprises um, as far as guys that they have. I think the, the fun thing, you know, the first time they can contact is just to see actually who all they do. Because, I mean, we, we really have no way of knowing, you know, exactly, you know, down to the T who it's going to be. Um, you know, I, I know you guys had said – uh, when we talk Saturday, just, you know, to expect them to go just down the list to top ten and, and go from there. So, I guess anybody that's in the top ten, we, we thought they may reach out, you know, and Jalen Duran's a name that we watch uh, and some other guys like that. And, of course, Amani Bates, uh, <laughs> you know, that would probably be a waste of time because nobody thinks he's going to go to college. And it may be a situation, too, where – you know, there's so much to do that the coaches say, hey, if, if we think this guy has no chance whatsoever to go to, you know, to college, you know, we're not going we, – we've got other stuff to do. I think that I read on Instagram uh, – I'll have to confirm with some people, but I think that UK reached out to Chris Livingston's mother, but they yeah. haven't reached out to him yet, so – yeah, they, I think that broke right before we started the show, I believe. I think one of one of the 30 recruiting group messages I'm in, one of them said that they talked to Chris Livingston's mother or something like that. I don't know. There's there's so much going on that the, the, the point of all of this being that it's been a massively busy week for the Kentucky coaching staff. They've reached out to so many guys. They've kind of just divided and conquered with everything. I talked to somebody close to the Kentucky program going into the weekend and kind of said, okay, how do you think Monday's going to go? Where, you know, where, where are things going to go? And they basically said, go from number, you know, go from the top of the list down to, you know, top 10, top 15 ranking sky, you know, him kind of being included in that top 15 ranking and then the local guys. So, uh, you know, James Jewell out of Eastern high school was, was a guy that a lot of people kind of, you know, he visited for big, I think it was big. Yeah. It was big blue madness. Um, you know, they've kind of loosely kept in contact with him. I think he's going to be in it. He's going to end up being a top, 150 top 100 type guy could end up being like a JJ trainer down the road that they're just gonna you know they're gonna flirt with and see if you know what his legitimate interest is in in Kentucky um and if you know that could be one of the in-state signees that they look at um but that was that was one name in particular that they said that they were going to reach out to and there were some others like Braden Sipple was a guy that UK's been reaching out to he's he's from right on the Kentucky Ohio border grew his family grew up a Kentucky fan, you know, big Kentucky fan. So guys like that, that they know they could get, that might be just, you know, further down the list are guys that, uh, that, that they either have already reached out to or planning to reach out to in the near future. Um, you know, after, after all this stuff going on, Travis, you know, going back to the guy that we've, you know, I, I feel like if there's one recruitment that the three of us know, you know, I would bet on no more than just about anybody else out there. Sky Clark's recruitment. Would you say that your mind has changed at all? You know, considering you know the timeline of you know potentially getting an offer, Kentucky's interest. I know that uh, Duke just reached out to him. Could could Duke become a player down the road? Has your mind changed at all on Sky Clark's recruitment since Saturday? Since we saw him? No, and I don't normally stick my neck out here like this, but. If UK offers Sky 
which I expect them to, if they offer Sky, barring something unforeseen happening in the future out of left field, I think he's a lock to Kentucky. I would wholeheartedly agree with you on that statement. Um, I, I think, you know, talking that same conversation I had about how they're planning on, you know, approaching the 2022 class and, and um, all that stuff. I think they know what they have in Sky Clark and Jaden Bradley in terms of talent level and level of comfort in their recruitments where I think they've both kind of expressed that, hey, we are very, very interested in your program. Um, you're going to be in it in the thick of things, you know, if and when that offer comes. And I think because of how well they have done building that rela those relationships leading up to it, they're not in any rush to – you know, be one of the first schools to offer and push for a commitment and all that. They know, I think they know what they have in their back pocket with that. So they're just kind of, you know, widening their net a little bit and, and exploring, you know, their other options, you know, kind of weighing the, okay, is there any chance of a 2023 number one, you know, does, you know, DJ Wagner reclass 2022? Is that a guy, you know, you just, you know, does Devin ask you stay for three years? You know, there, there are just some roster management things that I think UK is, gonna explore and, and just you know double and triple check before uh before going on and, and pushing for a commitment but I don't think that UK gets out of the summer before offering Sky Clark and if I'm gonna put money on it I think that we see a commitment I don't you know not gonna I think Kentucky's in, in fantastic position but uh, I, I do think that a commitment comes before the year is over before uh, this this uh his, I guess, junior junior season at Brentwood would would begin. Um, about yeah. you know, go for it. The ball is in Kentucky's court with that recruitment. I also feel really strongly as of today about even if they land Sky Clark, about them also landing Jaden Bradley, uh, top ten player, uh, top two or three point guard in the class. I think those two would really complement each other, and I think that those parties talked about, like as we as we've talked about here, I think that they. They're really serious about playing together. And I've talked to both people or uh, like people around both uh, parties. And there's definitely mutual interest, high mutual interest in playing together. But I'm not going to predict that whatsoever because how many times have we seen, oh, so-and-so uh, is going to play here. So-and-so is going to play with this guy, that guy. Uh, one is supposed to be Emmanuel Quickly and Zion Williamson. Oh yeah, and yeah, stuff like that falls through all the time. Uh, Josh Christopher, Jalen Green, same thing. Yep, yeah, that uh, that Zion Williamson, Amanda quickly was my first like scoop. I was at that. Uh, oh, weren't you, David? We were there together. Wasn't that that? Weren't you there with me when interviewing Emmanuel quickly and and Zion Williamson at that Adidas Gauntlet event? Yeah, I'll never forget it. He hit his. I was probably thirty feet away uh, when he hit his head on the side of the backboard blocking the shot and he cut his cheek on the, the edge of the backboard. Yeah. And, was, uh, playing in his hometown, Spartanburg. Yeah. So it was something I always remember. Yeah. He, uh, he, he gave us a quote that was just ridiculous. He said um, at the time he was a package deal with Emmanuel Quickly and he flat out told the reporters there uh, if um, – I'm going to go to the same place Emmanuel Quickly is. And that at that time, Emmanuel Quickly was seen as a lock to Kentucky. So everybody went, if he's going where Emmanuel Quickly's going, why would he not end up at Kentucky? So that was, that was my first, like, you know, because I, I asked the question and I was, I was just getting started with it. I had barely asked any recruits any questions in the past. So, like, when, when a player of his stature answered a question and it was of that nature, I was like, Holy crap! This is nuts. So yeah, that was that was definitely uh, interesting, but something to keep in mind with this Sky Clark and Jaden Bradley thing, because even though as of today we feel pretty pretty darn confident that, that both of them end up in Kentucky, things could change. But I'm definitely feeling more confident in in Sky ending up in Kentucky than than Jaden as of today. Um, moving on just a little bit. Um, last week we talked. Uh, you know, the majority of our show was about. Cade Cunningham, the Oklahoma State situation, um, kind of how that all, you know, is unfolding and, and whether or not Kentucky would end up being an option for Cade. Um, now, I talked to – on that same conversation on, on Friday, I had talked to somebody close to Kentucky and asked, you know, flat out about Cade and whether that's a legitimate possibility. And um, 
let me put it this way. Cade is flat out, you know, 100%, you know, facts here. Cade is, has been their favorite guard target in, you know, of the year. They think that he is a, a transcendent talent Think He's going to end up being a superstar in the NBA. There's no doubt in my mind that if Cade came knocking on their door, that, that Cal Perry would turn him, no, turn him down. There's just, there's just no way. I mean, I, I, I know for certain if that day ever came that, that Cade would be added to the roster and it would be huge, but as of right now, um, that is not something that can that the coaching staff is is even entertaining. I don't think that this is a. Um, I think the the way things are are leaning right now is that he's going to end up staying at Oklahoma State. the The three options in order that I was told was Oklahoma State overseas which would likely be australia or something like that in the g league and from there it would be exploring his college options and and you know there are a lot of things that have to happen before we even talk about who those college options would be but i think the way things are trending is that uh that that kate's going to end up staying at oklahoma state travis are you kind of feeling that same way based on you know what you've heard and who you've talked to in the last two three days I talked to – as soon as the Oklahoma State stuff broke, I texted – like we talked about in the last episode, I texted somebody close to Kentucky and was like, hey, is this a possibility? They they have to tell us no, but you can tell by their tone what is really going on. So they said no, and that's all I heard from it until you had that scoop, and I never really expected him to be at Kentucky. I've always thought for a while up until there started to be smoke, he was going to stay at Oklahoma State. I heard a lot of buzz about overseas and I think that overseas may have been the leading option for a little bit mm-hmm. but it still might be it's still it's still one of his top options but it seems like there's a ton of smoke about around him uh returning to Oklahoma State now David you know you I think we saw one player I guess two players today now that have announced that they're coming back to Oklahoma State uh one did announce that they're leaving and your any your an I, however you pronounce his name, um, you know, do, do you get a sense that Kate is going to follow in the footsteps of the, the two players that have announced that they're, that they're coming back? Or do you think he's going to uh, end up being like your and an A or Ani, however you say his name and opt to leave the program? I don't know how focused I'm going to be here. I'm dog sitting and my daughter left a dog here and it is ransacking our house. <laughs> and that's why I keep, turn so we're gonna see what happens here <laughs> um i think you'll stay um um you know if the rest of them I, I think especially with having a family brothers on the staff yeah i just don't think he's going to go anywhere i think i uh, started hearing stuff last week that you know that was still the strong first option and that was even with some players everybody thought there was going to be an exodus out there and you know, Corey Evans kind of touched on it earlier in the week that there's not. So um, I expect him to stay. Yeah. Um, the, you know, that that's, that's definitely a situation that would be a game changer for Kentucky. I mean, if it ever got to that point, we talked about it extensively last week, but you know, it's just one of those things that, uh, that, you know, that's, it's something to monitor and, uh, you know, kind of keep close ta- you know, keep a close eye on, but it's just, it's just not something that, that UK is even entertaining at this point. So if they're not going to, you know, put in the effort to entertain it or, you know, you know, dig into it and all that, I'm not going to. So uh, we'll, we'll leave it at, at, at that for now. Um, now, while Cade isn't a major possibility, there was one name that, kind of caught me off guard as, as a player that the UK is still actively monitoring. So I asked about, you know, is the roster done? Is, are, are things going to stand put as they are? And they said, yeah, um, you know, there's nothing else out there. I think, you know, they, you know, I asked a little bit about Frank Anselm and they, you know, they talked exactly what we had said on this show in the past that he was just going to be a roster addition. You know, people were kind of looking way too into it as a, you know, just is Kentucky getting that desperate that they need to look at a, you know, a, a long-term project Could, you know, if, if he's going to be a 10, 15 minute player, Kentucky's are screwed this year. If, if they're going to rely, on a guy like him they kind of you know double down and said that was just uh you know where we were just flirting with the situation seeing how that would go that was never going to be a expect him to come in and make it make a difference in year one he you know he flat out wanted you know more minutes bigger role 
He ended up going to Syracuse, no big deal. Same thing with DeAndre Williams. He wanted something bigger than Kentucky was looking for. They're not looking for that major difference maker. Uh, they're, they're just flat out looking for a guy that can, you know, help if, if he's good enough to help, but they feel comfortable in their depth as it is. So based on where things stand right this second, they're, you know, fully content on, on keeping things as, as they are, unless – the one person that they specifically mentioned by name was McCormaker Maker as a guy that that fans should keep a close eye on, understanding, you know, his the fact that he's all in on the NBA and that that's kind of the the priority, you know, that's his biggest priority. But that's definitely a name that Travis we had talked behind the scenes extensively about. UK feels pretty confident in McCor's abilities and you know on court abilities. You know, I think they're a little bit higher on his game than we have been in the past. You know, what what do you know about that? You know, intrigue on Kentucky's end regarding McCor. I had somebody um, close to the Kentucky program tell me that they thought he had some Kevin Garnett, um, tra- some Kevin Car- some traits of Kevin Garnett, and I was like, whoa! Like they think highly of this dude because I look I've looked at his tape. I've talked to people. And I think he would give nothing more than a EJ Montgomery at, uh, sophomore production at most. I think maybe eight and six. I I think that he would average four and four off the bench at Kentucky. I think that his name brings a lot of uh, clicks and likes and oohs and ahs. But it, the thing is, he's got to want to play down low. Yeah. He thinks he's a guard. And the thing is, that's fine if you want to play outside. But he's seven foot and he shoots it from his belly button. And he's got the slowest windup I've ever seen. So <laughs> it kind of uh, kind of negates being seven foot. But he is a guy that come March, I mean, you could see some scary stuff. But I think early on he would struggle. And I just wonder if adding him would add headache. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, he's got certain wants and needs that his brother had certain wants and needs. Um, I think that. Like I said, I think he'd definitely be a great piece toward the end of the season and um, possibly play 20 minutes a game toward the end of the season. But as a whole, I think he's uh, more of a project than people uh, than people think. David, based on what you've seen out of McCore, I know, I know you've said in the past that you're not – like super familiar with his game, but you've done a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of research, watched, you know, some film on him. What, what do you think of him in terms of, a, of an immediate impact guy? What do you think he would bring to the table from day one and then toward the end of the year, like Travis was saying, toward March? Now, I did watch him play uh, last July in Birmingham, and uh, I never saw him play in these games outside the – I mean, inside the three-point line. In fact, he brought the ball down a lot. He's got um, – I mean, I'll admit, he, he's kind of intriguing as a seven-footer, but he wanted to play point guard, and he had the ball in his hands a lot. And to say that this was one of the most dysfunctional AAU teams I've ever seen would be an understatement. <laughs> I mean, they had a lot of good guys out there, and they're – they're getting beat by mediocre Adidas Gauntlet teams by 25 and 30. I mean, they were getting run out of the gym by some teams. And, um, you know, he – one thing about 2020, uh, watching guys on the AU circuit that I didn't like was all these guys who are at least power forwards who were trying to impress people and coaches, rather, that they could play outside. You know, we go to the first game that I saw on EYBL last spring. We watch uh, Isaiah Todd and uh, uh, and and some of those guys um, shooting three-point. I'm looking at names here. It was Isaiah Todd and um, Scotty, Barnes. Scotty Barnes with the Knight Riders. And it was just one three-point jack after another one. It was like – You've got these guys – it was like they are almost playing for pro positioning rather than college, yeah. trying to prove, yeah, I'm 6'9", 6'10", and I can step outside and I can make this shot. And I'm like, no, you can't, man. You two combined are like one for 20. And they just kept shooting them. We kept shooting them. It's kind of like makers. So, you know, he's not the only one. 
the same criticism that I've got with him, I would have with a guy like Isaiah Todd. And it's just right now that so many of these big dudes and make her seven footer, they want to play guard and prove they can play on the perimeter. Yeah. So on, you know, while on Kentucky's end, he's a guy that they're closely monitoring. They said, you know, that we're going to, you know, continue to monitor that, monitor that situation and, and reach out to him and say, you know, we have a, an open roster spot for you. If you, you know, don't like what you see with the NBA, NBA draft, all that stuff, we'll, we, we'd be happy to take you. Um, I talked to Ed Smith um, going into the weekend, who is, is McCor's guardian. And he's a guy that we've taught, I think all of us have talked to at least once or, or, you know, know of him in particular. He's a guy that he likes, you know, historically speaking, he has pushed some narratives in the media and, you know, kind of, you know, w- wanting to keep recruitments alive of guys like Thon maker and, and uh, I think mature maker, I think he did the same thing with, with him for at least a little bit. Um, but there are some some things that we've heard about uh, about Ed Smith. So when I talked to him, you know, we we've talked several times in the past, but I flat out said I was like, dude, if this kid's going pro, like just, you know, just I, you know, I won't I'll go on this show, I'll say, you know, he's a guy that I just don't see going to Kentucky, we'll move right on. I was like, I I'll play the game, but just, you know, just be real with me. I don't want to you know, waste my time or waste your time by picking up the phone and calling you if this is, you know, just something that, that you're going to end up doing. And he was like, dude, I totally understand. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very complicated situation, especially with what's going on. He said, to be totally honest with you, if the NBA draft combine had happened as it was originally planned, if, you know, this COVID stuff never happened, he was 100% pro. He was already, you know, ready to put his name in and, and keep his name in, sign an agent and move on. But he said because of how things have unfolded and the fact that there have been no workouts, he's a guy that these NBA teams have looked at him and said, we're intrigued, but we want to get our, we want to get our hands on you. We don't know if you'd fit in immediately. We don't know if we would stash you in the G League because that's something that, uh, that, that Ed Smith and, and make, uh, McCur Makers Camp has said that they have no interest in doing. They want to go in and make an immediate impact at either place, whether it's the NBA. If a team can offer them a, a, a first-round deal, say we want, we're want we going to take you in the first round, that's going to be the route they end up taking. They want to you know go to a place that he can, he can play right away and make an, an, an immediate impact. But he told me that if it gets to the second round um, where, you know, that, that – early second round to the middle of the second round, it's going to be about a 50-50 shot that he stays or goes. And he said the closer that they get to the end, the more the, 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 the better the chances are that he ends up, um, you know, going to college and, and moving forward with that undrafted. If he, if they say, dude, you're, you know, we haven't gotten to see you enough. We have no idea what this is. We're going to stick with what we know. And, and he's not going to end up getting drafted this year. He said the, the odds are pretty, pretty, he's pretty confident that McCore is going to end up going to college. Um, I asked which college, you know, if he had to, you know, narrow it down to three schools, two schools or whatever uh, that it would be. He said it was going to be Kentucky, Howard, or UCLA, one of those three. And he kind of pointed out as pointed out Kentucky and UCLA being the top two options. Um, he said the obvious draw with UCLA is he's going to be, you know, he'd be home in LA, but you know, he'd be around his family. He'd be around, you know, his closest friends, you know, they like the weather or, you know, all the obvious of, of being out in LA, but they said flat out that Kentucky was a place that they genuinely think he could go and, and, and lead them to that Calipari could end up building him to be a, an Anthony Davis, Boogie Cousins, Carl Anthony Towns. He, he named those three bigs in particular as guys that, that he could follow in those footsteps and become a lottery talent at Kentucky uh, said that Kenny Payne reaches out to him regularly. Um, and, and, that, that they're serious about pushing for a commitment and there's in on the flip side maker and his camp are serious about Kentucky as well. Uh, I asked about a, a specific decision date. They said August is definitely what they're targeting right now. And that falls in line with, with uh, NBA withdrawal deadline. Uh, David, I know you were talking about that a little bit, how the, you know, they were going to hold out as long as they could until the NBA physically would not let him test the waters anymore. So that goes right in line and, with that. And that yeah, and he's you know, they'd said all along that they wanted they were gonna go to the last minute. So when 
the NBA announced that they were moving the deadline. You know, originally it was, I mean, we were right here at it. Yeah. You know, right around this date that they'd move it to August because of COVID. Obviously, they're not going to have to draft later on. And uh, that's the first thing that crossed my mind. Uh, but, I mean, can you imagine, though, being some of these schools where you're really kind of in flux, that you've got maybe more than one player on the NBA fence and this thing has to go into August yeah. uh, before you know something. I mean, man. And and here's the thing, too. You know, there's the talk. And we haven't mentioned. Nobody has really much. But the NBA is talking about moving their schedule instead of starting in October, starting at Christmas and going through August from, here, from you know, from here on out. Uh, that way they can have the entire summer and they really don't have to battle with the NFL. And think about if you're a college coach now and you're caught with this every year that, you know, we know Kentucky's guys have ever, have already moved on. But can you imagine if they hadn't got agents so you're sitting there with the departures that they had and you're not sure if they come back or not? And now it's going to be something like that we look at every year going way up in the dog days, uh, which is just going to make your job harder for college coaches. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, I think it's the, the timing of it is going to be really difficult, especially, you know, we're, we're going to talk about this here in a, in a second with Olivier Saar and his situation, you know, the NCAA has been so inconsistent in when they're going to, you know, approve waivers, deny waivers, you know, in, in past years, it seems like that has been the, you know, the last thing on their plate going into the summer. It definitely seems like they're prioritizing that a little bit more this off season um, but again things are up in the air it's a case-by-case basis with all that so you look at at a Kentucky right now who if Olivier Saar is not eligible next season they have to fill out the roster with one more talent and a guy like McCore Maker would be the perfect you, you know out goes Olivier Saar in comes McCore Maker it, it, you know it, it would make perfect sense in an ideal world but yeah, I mean, with, 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 you know, all these dates being so unknown and all that, I mean, things are just so up in the air that, I mean, it, it makes things really, really difficult for uh, for all coaching staffs, both, I think, you know, in on the NBA level in terms of who they're scouting and, and how they're preparing for their own season. And Kentucky is, you know, college coaches as well, preparing for, for their season um, as well. So while we're on the topic of Olivier Saar, Today was another day that, that the NCAA approved a waiver of, of another kid. Marquette got a, a positive waiver from DJ Carlton. He was an uh, Ohio State transfer, just got eligible at Marquette. He was, now, he had some a, a couple different circumstances. He left the program at Ohio State because of mental health issues, I think, in January. He leaves and then announces that he's going to put his name in the transfer portal in, in March, I believe. So – you know, people have pointed out that his situation is a little bit different, but I, you know, I would argue um, that that it's not all that different in terms of the NCAA. Like I've pushed on the show over and over again, that the NCAA is genuinely wanting to do right by these kids and you know approve waivers promptly. You know, quickly. We saw Johnny Juzang; he was the first to get his name approved. Um, you, you know, I think we've seen two, three, four other guys that have gotten their names approved. Travis, now. What has your gut changed at all on Olivier Saar and his waiver quest? And, and what do you, what do you think the NCAA ultimately decides to do with him? I mean, reading the tea leaves and how many waivers that they've granted so far this summer, I think one would have to believe that UK is going to get some good news on the Olivier Saar front. But at the same time, we've talked about before NCAA can screw up a lot of things easily. And this is nothing more than uh reading some tea leaves there's no inside information here just that's my gut feeling david you know we've we've talked back and forth about the odds and and what uk would do afterward and all that have you know has your gut changed at all on on what you what happens with uk and and olivier sars waiver are you kind of at the same point you were the last time we talked about it about the same point but you know anything like you say with dj carton anything uh, where you see players get good news from the NCAA, you know, has to be seen as a positive. And I don't know of any guys that they've turned down yet. I mean, that's about four or five players. And, 
they've all got good news. They've all been given eligibility. Uh, I'm not sure of what Ohio State's take was on DJ Carton, uh, to be honest with you. Um, there is, you know, a waiver that not only that the colleges can give to a player that says, okay, it's okay if you go somewhere else, but there's basically one that says, okay, we want him gone. And I, I know a player at another school in the SEC that received one from the school he was previously at. So uh, th there's so many different kind of individual cases. But like I said, uh, as these guys – and one good thing, some of them are they're making getting the decision done quickly. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I would hope we would hear something from Sar here in the next two or three weeks because I, I definitely – want there to be a SAR decision by the NCAA before it comes time for uh, McCord Maker to make his choice. Yeah, I, th I think that is something that, I mean, th they have to go hand in hand right there. Uh, Travis, you were talking a little bit earlier about inside information and, you know, how there's there it really seems like there isn't a whole lot to go around with Olivier Sars recruitment. I asked the, you know, same conversation going. Guys, you know, I'll be right back. I got to check and make sure. This is going to be the great dog caper. You can say I've already changed places two or three times to keep an eye <laughs> on this thing. I got to go make sure he's not ransack the house. I'll be right back. All right, I got you. It's, it's all good. Um, like you, like Travis, like you said, the inf inside information is not you know readily available because it doesn't exist right now with with on UK's end of things. They have genuinely no clue what's going on with it. They don't. They don't. You know, it could come out tomorrow. They could get the waiver. You know, returned tomorrow. It could be next week. It could be next month. It could be the day before the regular season starts. They have no genuine, you know, no genuine idea of when this is going to happen. Um, you know, I think they, there's an understanding within the program that the, that the NCAA wants to do right by these guys. They're hopeful, but at the same time, they know that there's a little bit of a history with the NCAA, you know, with Enos Cantor and other guys, you know, throughout college basketball that have kind of gotten some questionable, you know, returns on, on NCAA decisions. So they feel hopeful and they feel optimistic on their side because they presented a very good case. I think that there's extreme confidence that they, you know, that they got their point across. They said, you know, this kid didn't have enough time to – didn't have enough time to, to make an NBA decision after his coach was fired at, at Wake Forest. There were so many different circumstances that led to it. It wasn't just the fact that, that Danny Manning was fired. It was, there was a lot of stuff that went into it. They presented all of that, and now it's just a waiting game. They have no idea when it's going to happen and all that. But, um, you know, they don't, I don't think they have any feel of, of what, what the decision is going to be either. They don't know the what or the when as of right now. It's just kind of the, the waiver was submitted back in May, and now it's just a waiting game. I think the Genu the, the general rule is 21 days um, from the time the waiver is submitted to the time they get a response, but it's a case-by-case -case basis. Things change, you know, SARS case is a little bit more dynamic than some other cases might be, so it might take a little bit longer, but it should be a month. You know, a month is kind of the, the, the hot thing, so we could hear something at the end of this week. We could, you know, could be another week or two, but it, it's slowly approaching, or I guess quickly approaching. I think we're going to hear it sooner rather than later, but Travis, we've talked about kind of roster makeup and, and what would happen with Olivier Saar and without, you know, especially in the front court. Now, there's one guy that we've talked about off off the air, and that's Cameron Fletcher, who within the organization, the, the, the program, the, the school is extremely high on Cameron Fletcher. I was told that they're kind of planning on him being the backup four behind Keon Brooks right now, which is kind of shocking to me that, you know, he was, you know, I think he's rated as low as like, you know, top 60, top 70 in the country, depending on which outlet you look at. So there's kind of a pessimism in national, you know, the national recruiting ranks and all that about cam, but there's an internal optimism about Fletcher and, and what he's going to bring to the table next year. Travis, you had, you had some stuff that you wanted to get off your chest about him and what you've learned about him and, and, and all that. What is that? Yeah. So I talked to somebody today in the St. Louis area, very connected in all sports. Those tell me he knows cam very well. He's talked to him. He knows the family really well. He, uh, he was telling me that, Cam's kind of got a bad rep. A lot of people think he's a, quote, asshole. He, uh, 
he's a jerk, he's a all about me type of player. But he said, I'll tell you this, that whenever this is what he said, whenever Cam gets to Kentucky, he knows he's not BJ Boston. He knows he's not Terrence Clark. He's going to buy into being a small ball four. He himself has said that he's not a three. He's a small ball four. And he thinks that he is going to absolutely thrive in that role and that he knows that he's never going to be the number one option and that he knows what he needs to do to get to the league. He knows what he needs to do to uh, be a part of a championship team, which is be the gar- the garbage guy, the high energy defense, corner threes, um, just rebounding. And by his junior year, he could average like 10 and seven and be like the fourth or fifth option. Yeah. And there's a lot of optimism. He said that a lot of people try to tear Cam down, but at, at his core, he's a really good kid. He's misunderstood and that he's going to uh, – he's really going to buy in at Kentucky. Yeah, I, I had heard all those those same rumblings, you know, you know AAU circuit and, and just, gen, you know, that type of stuff. And I actually went to do that feature on him. We had him on on this show several – I think it was two, three months back. And, you know, I was kind of – I was kind of bracing for that, you know, that response from him. I was expecting to get a a kid that, you know, he didn't care about talking to the media. He was, you know, he would be short with me, you know, didn't want to talk to me, you know, all that stuff. But when I got there, the dude was, was, you know, smiling. He was having a great time. It was his senior night, you know, all the people within the pro, you know, his basketball program, his coaches, they were all hyping him up. His family members, his, you know, close friends, they were all hyping him up. The front office ladies, you know, everybody that I talked to at that school love Cameron Fletcher. And I was like, okay, this isn't, this isn't what I, you know, heard leading up to his commitment. And then afterward, and then during the game, Coach Kyle was there. Kenny Payne went to come see him for, on a senior night, and he played out of his mind. I think he dropped like 23 and 15. I think he went four for four from corner threes. I mean, like, you know, you, you know, jumping the passing lanes defensively, he was sharp. I mean, high motor. I mean, everything that you wanted to see out of a guy his size and his athleticism, his strength, that's, you know, he showed that in front of in a high pressure situation with, with coach Cal. So I came away extremely impressed and I was like, man, this is way different than all the stuff that I heard behind the scenes. So to hear you be as optimistic. And then after, you know, hearing Kentucky's, you know, on Kentucky side, how optimistic they are, I was, I was genuinely impressed. David, I think, you know, you've, you've heard a lot of these same things after hearing that Kentucky kind of is planning on on utilizing him in a small ball four role has your mind changed on him at all or do you still you know are you still a little bit pessimistic about his game and what he can bring to the table as I know that you've been kind of you know not very outspoken either way about it you know I I think I I don't know what your expectations are for him so what would you say those are well small ball the word small ball makes me nervous a little bit you start out I hope that's not any indicator, maybe on the gut feeling on SAR. I don't think it is, but you never know. Uh, maybe they're thinking when SAR's out of the game that uh, they may go to the small ball, you know, when he's not in. So it may be a situation where they're going to have a couple of different looks, you know, a bigger lineup and then a smaller lineup. You know, that could be it. Um, you know, he's his size, he's, you know, six seven, probably uh, right around that range. So playing a four, you know, is probably maybe a little bit of surprise, but it wouldn't be if they go small. The word misunderstood makes me nervous. Um, I've seen a lot of misunderstood players, and uh, I've coached misunderstood players. I've watched them from afar. I've watched them in the stands. I've watched them on recruiting trips. And and they can really turn out to be headaches, and a lot of times it doesn't work well. Uh, but if you get into a right situation, you know, you'll see a guy like that work out great at one place and then not work out in another one. You know, if you watched uh, The Last Dance, you know, Dennis Rodman comes to mind. He could play great for – Chuck Daly, and then, you know, you go to San Antonio Spurs and it's a train wreck. And then you go to the Bulls and it's good. And you go somewhere else and it's bad. So, 
you know, it's going to depend on his mindset and setting and, you know, how he takes coaching because it's going to be in your face. It's going to be confrontational from John Calipari. So, you know, at either, you know, iron sharpens iron. So we're going to see. Yeah. Now, worst case scenario, say Olivier Saar's waiver is, is not approved and UK has to go to the drawing board. Let's say, you know, Last case resort, what do you think Kentucky does to close out the roster? We'll end the show here. What do you think the, Kentucky does to close out the roster? Are there any names outside of McCormaker that you would you know, kind of keep a close eye on? Or do you think that your guess would be as good as, as a Kentucky coaching staff right now because there's just simply nothing out there? Travis, what do you think? Um, I think you could see, not saying this guy in particular, but uh, you're like a guy like you're a nay or you're – Haney or whatever it is, uh, a guy like that could pop up on the radar. Uh, could he? Somebody like that would definitely be serviceable. No, out there wouldn't be anybody that could transfer outside of a Luke Garza who's not going to transfer. Um, that would be a big as good as Olivier Sar at Kentucky, and I think that either I think that would be an option. Maybe a twenty twenty one reclass, even though there's not many floating around there, but I feel like if Kentucky pulls some strings and push some buttons that there could be a reclass pop up. Or, I mean, they could just roll with what they got. Uh, trial by fire with Isaiah Jackson. Um, Cam- Cameron Fletcher, see what he's got at the four, Lance Ware. So. Uh, David, do you have any, you know, gut on, on who that could be or, uh, you know, where UK could land? I've got two names, McCure, Maker. <laughs> and – Outside of that, if it doesn't work, get used to watching Cameron Pletcher play that small ball four. Yeah, I mean, what I found really interesting was that UK sees Lance Ware as a five. I think uh, the – I think the case would be that it would be Keon and Cameron Fletcher at the small ball fours, and it would be Lance Ware, Isaiah Jackson, and uh, who am I missing? Um, Keon Brooks. No, Keon would be at the four. Would it just be – Yeah, it would be Isaiah. Isaiah and, and Lance Lance Ware. Wow. Yeah, UK would be so, so ridiculously yeah. fit. Well, you know, I don't – I still, you know, and I've held this out for Isaiah Jackson, and we're talking about Fletcher and Keon Brooks, who's got a new haircut, by the way. It looks good. Yeah, it, looks it does good. look good. It does look good. Uh, but I have not – been one that just wants to jump off the edge of the earth if that's what the post lineup is going to be. I think you've got a bunch of five stars there. And like I said, I've been big on Isaiah Jackson, but it's really interesting. Probably the guy in this recruiting class who gets talked about less than anybody, and I'm glad you brought him up, Slance Ware. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Lance Ware is he's a guy that that when we had Devin Askew on this show, he hyped Lance Ware up more than anybody on the on the roster. Said that I'm telling you, that's the guy that'll watch out for. He said over and over again, Lance Ware is that guy. And when I went to see him at Hoopall, he went heads up against Evan Mobley, and I swear to you, wreck you know rocked his world, just destroyed him in the paint. I think he, uh, you know, I think he had like 18 and 15. I mean, just and it, it wasn't just about points. I mean, it was just aggression, throwing elbows, just getting aggressive with him. And you know, for a guy of of Evan Mobley's potential and you know what he's expected to be at the college level this year, Lance Ware thoroughly outplayed him from top to bottom, and it wasn't even close. I mean, I, I genuinely came away thinking, wow, Lance Ware is going to be way better than I thought it was, and. I talked to to his coach, uh, Coach Brunson, at Camden afterward, and he said something along the lines of like, if you if you're going to if you're going to come at him, you better get you better be prepared to get get punched in the throat. That's who Lance Ware is. So that mindset would fit in in a Kentucky front court, and and I feel like that would fit in um, you know sooner rather than later because those fighters are the kind of guys that Coach Cal has has leaned on in the past to contribute sooner rather than later. So. I, you know, I'm, I'll be very interested to see how this all unfolds and if Lance Ware is given a bigger role than people may, may have given him credit and for. And I just got to think, if you come out of Camden, New Jersey, man, you're going to – you're not scared of a whole lot. So, I don't think it's going to back down any challenges. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. All right, well, this – go for it. The thing with Lance is he, he doesn't do anything that really jumps off the page. He doesn't have the – 
highlight films of him constantly dunking on people, hitting step back threes. He's more of a junkyard dog type of guy that Kentucky has really hasn't had since um hell, I can't even remember the who I would compare him to that of the Cal era. But, but he's got a really good mid range. Yeah, he does. I watch him out about 15, 17 feet out in that area. It's pretty good. A lot of people that I trust their opinions on basketball say that he's not going to be in Flagstaff for four years. They don't think he'll be there for three years. I, I'm right there with you. I wholeheartedly agree. I was a big, big, big fan. Andy Borman thinks he's – who's the New York Reds guy that we all talk to. He told me a year ago maybe, I think it was last summer when we talked, right after he committed or was getting ready to maybe. I don't remember what the circumstance was. But he kept saying he's a rim protector. You know, he said he will be a rim protector. So, you know, he's got length, says his athleticism is better than what people think. He said he will be able to to alter shots and rebounds. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited for it. And uh, I'm really excited about how – uh, to to see how these next couple weeks go, especially you know waiting on Olivier Sars eligibility, that's going to be something that is is going to you know answer so many questions for us and relieve so many of those stresses that Kentucky fans have. And and us on this show, we're not going to have to do these stupid hypotheticals about what if you know this guy his leg falls off, and you know we won't have to do any of that stuff because we know that. They, you know, UK is very, very confident in the front court and the whole roster, the roster as a whole, if Olivier Sar receives his, his waiver. So we'll be on the lookout for that. Um, we'll also be on, on McCore Maker Watch. We'll see if any, any movement happens there. And uh, we'll keep our ears to the ground. Uh, next Monday is when Jonathan Kaminga will make his decision. It won't be Kentucky, but that's something that people probably want to tune in for. Uh, it's going to be June 22nd. Oh wow! Probably. Has that been has has that been put out or is that a behind Let's the scenes thing? Um, Tobias Bass put it out. You know what? I don't know who that is, but I I trust him. I trust Tobias Bass. So yeah, that'll be something that we'll we'll talk about next week. And and the fact that he is almost one hundred percent not going to end up at Kentucky, he'll probably take the that G League route. Um, yeah, I might reach out to some. I might reach out to Jalen Green's dad to see if if there's any movement on that. So we'll be on the lookout with that. We'll uh, keep keep our ears to the ground and keep you guys updated as best we can. Uh, with that, we will end it there. Travis, where can fans find your work? You can find me on Twitter at TravGraph underscore Rivals. Be sure to follow. It's the same at, but I got a new account recently. Uh, and. You can find my work alongside Davis on Cats Illustrated, and then you can listen to my other podcast, the Cats Camp Podcast, on any podcast network. And, David, where can fans find your work? Uh, same thing as Travis is doing a great job, man, and uh, uh, at Cats Illustrated. Just really impressed with both you guys. You know, I think another – I'm, the, I'm the, the grandpa here. But you guys are, you know, young. And I know you said for up-and-comers, and you guys have got past up-and-comer stage. You know, at your age, uh, man, your, your future is just great. But well, what we, you're doing now is great. Well, we, uh, we appreciate but, it. But uh, alongside hey, Travis and Cats Illustrated and uh, Coach David Siska, Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim KSR. You can reach out to me via email, jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. And with that, we will be back next week for another Jam Packed Source of State podcast. We will see you then. Oh,